Welcome back. This is Gig Ready. This is it. Welcome back to Gig Ready. We're here today. Got a great episode for you. A couple of friends of mine talking trends in the industry, and we're looking at how things are changing post-COVID. Last couple of years, we've had new technologies. We've had all kinds of incredible things that have come out of the woodwork. Fast development, quick stuff. Joe Mack, my friend on the other side of the country. How you doing, sir? Good to see you. Very well. Been a busy week. Excellent. Glad to hear it. And then also today, a friend of mine that I've known for a while, Joe's probably known him twice as long, Mr. Rob Koenig. Man, too many, too many artists to mention with all the people you've worked with, but thanks for being here. We appreciate uh, having you back. I think it was, I don't know, two and a half years ago or something. We did, we did another that long. It it was a long time ago, but uh, great to have you back and uh, talking trends in the industry, things that are happening. How are you doing, sir? I am uh, more than fantastic, truly. That is great to hear. Well, you know, we've seen quite the uh, we've seen quite the change over the last two and a half years. I mean, even from when I started doing this this podcast back in 2020, uh, here we are, the beginning of 2023. In some ways, I can't. It feels like that gap where I don't even know, like what. Where is this gap in my life that happened? Um, but I mean, we saw, especially from video and and lighting and XR and uh, virtual production and virtual events and all of these things that have come into really into the forefront now where people are saying, if you don't have this, if you don't deliver on this, then your event isn't worth what people would have said the best rock concert would have been worth years ago because you have to have these components. Um, you know, let's start with you, Rob. What are, what are, what are one or two things you're seeing that has come out of the last year, let's say 2020, which was really the resurgence of events with manufacturers selling product again, new development, things that they're pushing out to us as the users and the consumers of that equipment. What are, what are some new things that you're seeing that are there? Um, I, I think the the whole timbre of the industry is, has changed quite a bit and, and saying that it's kind of hard to wrap up all of this in just a token statement. But what I am seeing is on one side of the table, a lot of companies that utilize their downtime through the pandemic and yep. had enough foresight to go, this is going to end and we're going to have to come back. So as much as we're not pulling in money right now, we still have to spend money to come out on top on the other end. Yeah. Then you've got the flip side of that table of companies that were scared just like the rest of us and did not know where the next paycheck was coming from, uh, did not want to outlay the capital, and now they're behind. Yeah. And we've seen just in lighting manufacturers, Elation was already on a big push before the pandemic. They're everywhere now. Yep. Chauvet Mm -hmm. was just starting their push right before the pandemic a couple years after Elation. They're everywhere now. These are companies that five, six years ago, when we said, that's an Alation product, we all would have chuckled in the same American <laughs> DJ. You don't yeah. use that on a on a real show. You use that in a little club. That's a disco yeah. light. 
these companies have come to the forefront now where other companies that used to be our mainstays have fallen to the wayside because I don't know whether it was, you know, listen, we don't know if it was fear, uh, lack of funding or lack of capital, whatever the case may have been, but they've now fallen to the wayside. So we've seen a seismic shift in manufacturing, certainly. Um, I think there's been a lot of uh, get back to basics um, lately with the manufacturers and we don't need to make the craziest, weirdest, stupidest light that's going to be your ultimate Swiss army knife. We just mm. need to make a light that's good. Yeah. And I've been yeah. seeing a lot more of that, which has really been encouraging to me. Like when we get a light that, that, that does something cool, like when we, you know, when the Sharpie came on the market, it was, it was unique. It was a new thing. It was, it was a one trick pony, but damn it. It did that one trick really, really well with very low power consumption, small housing and super, super fast. Man, did it change everything. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. right now I don't see us needing the bells and whistles that we did then because it had become kind of stagnant right now. We have so much versatility in some of these fixtures. Now companies are concentrating on just making them good. Yeah. I just got to spec the very light 3,600 on something and a lot of them because damn it, it did not do anything that blew my mind other than everything it did. It did well. Yeah. It did Ooh. it smoothly. It was just that, that refinement that they put into the light. That was just yeah. that little bit better than anything I had seen in that same class of fixture. So that's just one of the examples that I haven't seen. Yeah. Um, I can't really speak. It's hard for me to kind of speak to the AR and the XR a lot because my world and a lot of the things that I do don't really use it. But the one thing that I'll say kind of as a overall for that is I think it went too far in the pandemic. Yeah. Um, with good reason, you know, people were looking for that next thing. Where can we take this? What looks good? What, what, what's not working? And there were some shows I watched and I'm like, ah, put the reins on there, guys. This now looks hokey. You've now <laughs> taken it from a cool concept to now it looks kind of goofy. Yeah. It doesn't look right. doesn't feel real. Kind of like when they digitize Star Wars for us kids. And we looked mm. at it we're like, this doesn't look right anymore. It was that same yeah. kind of thing. But I think those, those are starting to to be overcome now people are starting to understand what the technology can do for them um when you talk about guys like zinman out here in los angeles who who took the bull by the horns did not give a rat's ass that there was a pandemic and went for it and started developing all these things it was fascinating to walk into volt and see his setup and he's got animated characters on a screen that i can't see on the stage they're right here and then he goes over and he to a robo spot controller and he goes move the robo spot controller and shake it and i shake it and all of those characters shake the exact same way i'm shaking the camera tripped That's me cool. out it was huh. absolutely trippy to see all that so all of those elements are able to use now in shows like uh when you start talking about the mandalorian and all these artificial environments that they can use let alone recording the backgrounds not on a green screen now but on a video screen i never yeah. would have thought that that would have been a thing and you know yes i'm using the star wars reference a lot i'm sorry because i'm like not the biggest star wars fan anymore but the technology when you start looking at the last trilogy of movies not the not the this one but the 90s trilogy of movies that came out we all complained about the acting was bad and this and that and we come to find <laughs> out later in our lives that like well the reason that was is because they were it was so secretive and it was so uh kept under wraps and top secret that the actors would show up that day they would get one page, they'd get handed their script, they'd be given a little bit of context and go go stand in front of that screen, that green screen and go run your lines. 
well, no wonder why the movies were kind of fell flat because there was no, they're getting their their uh, script out of order. They're doing things in a green screen. They have zero context for what's actually happening in the movie. But now the characters can come in with a partially handmade and a partially virtual environment. They can see where they're going to be at. They can they understand the lines. They understand their environment. Suddenly these things come to life a bit more. And we're seeing that a lot now. And I think those kind of advances have been utterly fascinating. Yeah. And that the was rea- a really, the reality. really long-winded answer. No, it, it, the no. purpose of answers that questions that you gave. The reality is being put back in to virtual reality. And Agreed. so I think and that's see, that's just that's it. it's that fine line of having a having a cartoon character or something in your in your <laughs> video game look horribly frightening because they're trying to make them look so real or a little cartoonish to where we feel more comfortable with it. Absolutely. Yeah. And and, you know, I mean, now you're seeing um, meta concerts and things like mm-hmm. that, where they're doing all these online things that are kind of a hybrid of XR and reality. And I got to do one really with Dan and the Foo Fighters. It was amazing. Amazing. Huh. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, um, so so just that that alone is really compelling to me. Yeah. Um, what what do you what do you envision or you see uh, from that world? Like how, how is it going to elevate us as artists? What, what, you know, at what point do we need to add a, a CG artist into our design team? That's, that's just the CG guy, you know? Oh, I don't think any of that's really a bad thing to have right now in all fairness, because, and I got to tell you the glut of, of younger um, professionals out there that are learning and not only learning, but executing things in unreal yeah. It's beyond fascinating. Like one of the content companies that I work with advertises on their sleeve that we do, we do unreal. We do unreal. We do unreal. Did you know that we did unreal? And everybody is flocking to everything that these guys are putting out with unreal engine. I'm seeing yeah. textures that I've never seen before in rock shows, pop shows, whatever you want to hmm. call them and live mm-hmm. concerts. I've, I've, you've never seen things like this. So between what these guys are doing with unreal what they're doing with Notch. I mean, you got to think that's what these people are. They're 3D artists. Yeah. Yeah. And what they're capable of doing in Notch is fa- I've seen some super hokey stuff, but I've seen some stuff that is just mind-numbingly brilliant. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I think Notch the utilization is incredible. Of the- oh, I don't even fully tool. understand Notch, but to know when when one of the when one of my friends um no you have to talk to grant draper and kristen hovland and that team to really understand notch yeah what they do with notches so a buddy of mine nick rivero over at over at meptic kind of really walked me through notch a while ago and talking about the fact Mm -hmm. that his file size for his show on on their disguise servers went from like 90 gig down to like 25 megabytes or something like that for, for the whole show file because of notch and real-time content creation like wow. that blew my mind i i'm that's insane i'm not using the right the, the, it's not the exact numbers but it was something sure. like that it was, it was drastically reduced and, yeah and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. you know being able to reduce that that load and then suddenly now does that you know w- that shifts the balance of of content creation from yep you know, the, the guys sitting there rendering stuff for hours and hours and hours. Now it shifts it to the machine in real time and, um, and, and creation of content. And then 
you know, how does that, so how does, let me ask you that then, how, mm -hmm. for some of the shows you're working on now, how does that translate to what you're doing now versus what well, was possible two, three years ago? I, I think it's, it's kind of like when Pro Tools became a tool or GarageBand became a tool that every kid can have in their bedroom. You would think that there'd be a lot more great music out there, but there isn't. <laughs> Is there? <laughs> so it's kind of the same thing with Notch or Unreal and anything else. You gotta have the vision to be able to put into it in order for it to succeed and yeah. in order for it to be valid in our worlds. I've gone to shows and I've seen nothing but Unreal and Notch, and I've walked up being underwhelmed, to put it mildly. And then I've gone to under sh other shows where they use it three or four times in the show. You'll see a beautiful piece of Unreal content. Three or four times, you'll see a really cool notch effect two or three times, and you walk out of there going, "That was fucking amazing." That's all how what you would put into it. Yeah, it's just a tool. It's a tool like AI is a tool now. It's a tool like any of these things are. It's all how you use it. If you're not capable of conveying what the artist is trying to convey through the visuals, then you're losing already. Yeah, you're losing. So if you don't have anything to say, a notch isn't going to help you. Nope. Right. You have to have something to say first. Well, you I have love... to have a vision for the artist and be able to paint over the top of what the artist is is giving to the is giving to the audience. Yeah. Well, it's... you can buy the you can buy the magic tricks, but you still have to put in the time Absolutely. to learn how to do yeah. the tricks. Absolutely. Right? You know, and yeah. there's just there's you know just there's so much music. Like I'm still waiting for the next thing to make my mind go kaboom over. And yeah, that's an age thing. Certainly, we've heard more than most have it at this time but if you don't have something to say and you don't have anything to put it up because you could play a million notes a, a miles a million miles an hour a million notes or because you can replicate everything bb king ever did um now now show me what comes from you it's the same thing with a live show i think and i i don't think that all the toys are going to necessarily make the show better unless you have something to say yeah that's well, a great that's a great segue to a, a portion i wanted to go into a little bit in this conversation is how ai is going to affect us as designers and artists and and creators, mm -hmm. um, and and how that gets taken over by by some machine. Um, what what are your thoughts on that? As far as as the I think, not trend? in my lifetime are we ever going to see uh, our jobs taken by AI. Uh, Grant Draper, um, we were just all at um, uh, sorry uh the chris musgrave conference that they do in palm springs i can't remember the name of it live production summit yeah and we did a it was kind of funny we did an emerging tech uh uh panel um where the only merging tech that we all talked about was ai um but grant i walked in the room and the first question that was asked is are you afraid of our jobs being taken away of course and he said if he said the best thing ever and i want to get this right AI is, you're not in danger of losing your job to AI, but if you don't embrace AI, you will lose your job. Correct. And there was a, there was an older cat in the room that wasn't getting what AI was. He wasn't getting it. He's seen the movies, but he wasn't understanding what it was. And I just go, I get where you're at. So let me help you. You remember Ask Jeeves, right? And the whole room laughed, but this is <laughs> what Ask Jeeves was. And web one. And I was like, here's what you may not know. We've gone from web one, which was basic website, click to buy something, no interaction whatsoever. 
We couldn't even hover over a picture and have it balloon in Web 1. Then came Web 2, much more interactive. I could do Ask Jeeves. I could do Google searches. I could do these things. I could type in a question into a magic box, and the magic box gives me back answers. That's all AI is right now. Yeah, A lot of these guys are having a hard time understanding that it's only as smart as what it's fed. So the data set that it's been fed, say chat GPT, is these specific sources up to 2021. So if you mm -hmm. were to ask it a question about Raquel Welch passing away today, which rest in peace. Oh, my gosh. Oh, you didn't know didn't that? Know yeah, it just came across uh, the wire about an hour ago. 82 years oh. old. Wow. And you know what? Still to this day. Big time crushed since I was a kid. 82-year-old oh, woman still looked amazing. She's, a, she's unreal. <laughs> Force of nature. But um, it wouldn't know that because it only yeah. has a data set up to 2021. Now, Kristen Hovland said some amazing stuff that she's using a local AI server where she puts in all of her work into this AI. So that's its data set. So mm. she's working and she gets a little bit of roadblock or whatever. She can have it generate things in her style. Interesting. So that that way, if you have, a, we all have writer's block, you get 15, 20 songs into the thing and you're like, what am I going to do that I haven't done yet? What's going to look unique? Blah, blah, blah. I'm out well, of colors, damn it. I'm out of colors, right? She can go into her AI and go make me something for this song and this look and this kind of vibe and da, 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 da. And it, she, it spits out some stuff at her. And, uh, you know, that's, that's incredibly powerful tool. Um, yeah. I just was messing around with Dali the other day and I typed in, um, uh, show me what a uh, a rock show with professional lighting would look like, a live concert with professional lighting. And I got back three or four images, not the prettiest things ever, <clears throat> of lights at a rock show. I was One like, of them was yours. <laughs> I did say not the greatest thing I've ever seen, so quite possibly. Um, but yeah, and it actually generated images with gobos and lights and, and things streaking through the air. And I'm like, that's interesting. So to yeah. me, it could it could definitely be used as a as a writer's block tool as of right now. I think as as we develop it more, as they give it more power, it's going to be a dangerous tool. Um, I, mm. Deep fakes are getting really oh. good. I saw a pretty oh, yeah. dirty one yesterday that had Ben Shapiro saying some uh, very horrifying things about AOC, mm. and you would expect him to, but these were not Ben Shapiro's character. These were very sexual in nature. Pretty horrible things. And I studied this video and I could not see with with a naked eye that it was a deep fake. And it no glitch, went, no bad lighting, no and nothing. It yeah. was perfection. I'll send it to you once we're done here. I mean, it was like it was done really, really well. And that's the kind of shit that World War Three is gonna start over, is because someone's gonna say that Trump or Biden or blah 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 said this thing and they're gonna create a deep fake sound Zelensky to shove it up his ass. And the next yeah. thing you know, nukes are gonna be launched and that never happened. And that's the things those are the dangerous things. I don't think the yeah. dangerous things are using a calculator for your math homework. If the teacher allows you to using AI for your homework is only going to get you so far. And a lot of people are worried about, Oh, well, the kids are going to use AI. Kids have been using Google for their homework for 20 years. It did not change anything. <laughs> they still it. have to have the knowledge. They yeah. still have to do the tests. They still have to do yeah. the SATs. They still have to get to college admissions. And they still have to fake a teacher, which has now AI busters in their rooms to basically put in a piece of, uh, of work and go, did AI write this? And they can give them a percentage of whether it did or not. So I'm not mm -hmm. worried about that. I think it's going to evolve us. I think it's going to make us better. I think it's going to make us more thoughtful. I think it's going to allow us to explore things that we never explored before. And I think it's going to help us with writer's block. 
Yeah. You know, I think I, there's some great things that, uh, that are coming down the pike. Yeah. I, I was thinking about this the other day, if, you know, talking about chat GPT and all the other, you know, everybody's in a rush to get, you know, now that chat GPT is there, everyone's like, Oh my gosh, we have this thing and we have that thing and whatever else. But how much more important does this make the live component of what we do, especially like you just said, deep fakes, people that can fake things um, and looking at what the live component of whether it is corporate AV, whether it's concerts, whether it's, you know, whatever that may be, because sure, I can look at something on a screen, but now I'm going to start to question whether it's right unless I'm there. Unless I was in the room, seeing it. Um, I do. I think this is just the same equivalency of you telling me that YouTube is new. Um, YouTube is the greatest tool and it's the shittiest tool in the face of the planet. Yeah. I hate it. And I love it. <laughs> and I hate it. And I love it. I love it because my guitar tech can come up to me and go, do you remember where we set up this on the last show? And I can go and I can, here you go. It's all over YouTube. Yep. Right? Um. Metallica is notorious for destruction scenes way before my time in the John Broderick days. Um, 1988, 89 was the first one where they did, they broke every OSHA rule on the planet. It was the wild West. They were doing things that if I told you the story of how that destruction scene went, you would probably get a little sick to your stomach and fascinated with the fact that nobody fucking died on a daily basis on that tour. Then they do one on the load reload tour. It's 96, 97. This is prior to cell phones, prior to YouTube, prior to all of that, right? They had an average of 1,500 911 calls out of the venue on a daily basis. They had to call, they, the security staff had to call authorities. The local authorities that they did have at the show, which the typical fire marshal, paramedics, cops, they would double that because of what they were doing during the show. And they would even preface them and tell them and show them video of everything that was about to happen. And they would still think it was real. That's wow. how good this shit was, right? Now, <laughs> let's fast forward to 2011 and 12 when we're doing the new destruction scene. We're doing a major motion picture for the band. Tate and Mark Fisher have designed this massive set with every bell and whistle that they could ever want because they can afford it. We film the whole fucking thing. Well, we we get, sorry, we haven't even filmed it yet. We do 15 or so weeks of pre-production. We get down to Mexico. We load the show in. A picture's taken, and it's all over the internet. That week we do our first show we do the full destruction scene it's all over the internet there's no more surprise mm -hmm. but how much does this really suck because i'm going to tell you something right now the frenzy that we've seen over just the past month between metallica beyonce and taylor tickets alone going on sale people don't seem to be too bothered by it yeah people also yeah. don't seem to be too bothered by the fact that the tickets are going to resellers immediately and they're paying a thousand two thousand three thousand dollars for a fucking ticket in the lower bowl so people are always always going to want to be entertained that's right in a live room with the boot with the music seeing the poster on their wall come to life for the first time yep that person walking on on stage i'll never forget mm -hmm. it motley crew for me first concert yeah. i'm in there i you know i had one wall in my in my room dedicated Three quarters of the room was Metallica, but that's another that's a story for another day. <laughs> but here, and all these posters come to life. There they are. 
fire going off, PA making my ears bleed. I'm feeling the kick drum moving the clothing on me. <laughs> Unbelievable experience. People still love that to this day. How many people do you know hate a kabuki drop? Everyone loves a kabuki drop. Yep. Absolutely. Who doesn't it love Who do Tell it fails. <laughs> even so, you love more because then it becomes a good moment. Um, who who doesn't love a disco ball? You know what I mean? Yep. Who doesn't who doesn't love all of these gags? Every time we hit the flames on a Metallica show, they know it's going to happen. They've been using flames on their show since the dawn of time. Every time, crowd goes nutso. Every yep. single time. Ne they're never going to get tired of live entertainment. And everyone keeps going, well, how much more are we supposed to pay? Well, Congress has got to get off their ass and stop this legalized uh, scalping. Because that's all it is, is—just legalized scalping. But until there's some kind of pushback, which there still hasn't been, yeah. this is going to continue. People are still going to come to shows in droves. They're selling out multiple nights in stadiums. All three of the artists I mentioned, multiple mm -hmm. nights in stadiums, and that's just three artists I've mentioned. That's not every fucking buddy else. Yep. Yeah. Let's go to the small end of the spectrum. There's a band that's been out for 40 years. Their name is Skinny Puppy. I'm a huge fan of Skinny Puppy. I've always loved <laughs> Skinny Puppy. They're going out on their 40th farewell tour right now. They're doing the typical House of Blues size venues. Yeah. Well, it's their last show. What am I seeing? They're increasing the size for every venue. Some venues, they can't increase the size, so they're going to multiple nights. Mm -hmm. People still want to be in the room with it. Yep. Yeah. Still want to be well, in the room with it. So... I don't think it's going to take anything away from that. 2020 definitely made it very evident that, that live events is where it's at, you know, and even just content period, you know, the, all the film industry, TV industry, like they boomed during that time. They were, they were working nonstop oh, without throughout, throughout that whole time. So, so the, the, the fact that live entertainment is going away is not a thing. Like, that's no, not not, a, not at all. Absolutely <clears throat> not. I'm, I'm but trying. What, Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, but what I think AI and this this technology uh, boom, it's it's still the wild west. You know, we're still what it can do and absolutely. how we can integrate it to. I think I think there's a there's a compelling argument to build in, you know, 360 cams into a package that you're just the cam tech. And you just build 360 cams all over the stadium or the arena. And you you have the ability as the attendee to watch it from home with your Oculus. And you can pick which camera you want for 20 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever. Well, now your audience is massive. It's yep. global. And as long as your stream and your bandwidth and all that stuff is working, like <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the, the next generation. <laughs> well, that's that's your problem right, right there. Right. Um, I mean, you got to get to 10 G, right? That's what X Men is. <laughs> the first time I, I looked, the first time I looked at a 360 video of our stage, and we have the snake pit on the stadiums that comes out into the audience. I love how when I do that to the camera, um, the snake pit that comes out into the audience, and we have a, a drum set that's down there, and they put a 360 camera out there, and then suddenly you're seeing all of the band walk towards you while mm. you're wearing this, you know, the, the the phone with the Oculus on it. And the band yeah. is walking towards you and, hey, there's Kirk and, hey, there's Rob, you know, and you're looking around like they're all right there. That kind of stuff goes a long way. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. I love that. Kind yeah. Of well, it's it's interesting that, I mean, I think that people, even with that kind of technology, Joe, and, and doing the, the cameras and such, I worked with, over the pandemic, I worked with a startup that was trying to create something similar to that. 
Um, and that actually didn't really get much legs. People wanted the real thing. Didn't, they didn't seem to want, because we actually developed from the ground up a whole streaming platform that had multiple angles where you could go in and select what you wanted to see and you know pick different parts of it and everything else. And I, they, they couldn't get it off the ground because nobody... It's because they're, embrace, they're embracing the fan that can go. They need to embrace the fan that can't. Interesting. The person who who lives in their bed because they have some yeah. autoimmune disorder or they're you know they're paraplegic or whatever. You yeah. need to embrace those fans because there's a lot of them. There's a lot was, of people I was out just there go homebound and can't do anything. Absolutely. I was just going to go to the fact of the of just the diehard fan. I don't think what Joe is saying because um, we all saw all the XR stages get built and we saw the turnouts. They they weren't that great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. Dropkick Murphys was the first band to do it. And their turnout was really good. They did yeah. they did a really good job. They were the first ones out of the gate. They were all over it. A band that's just made up a bunch of punk dudes from Boston and <laughs> older punk dudes from Boston. Like, I don't know how you got that idea so fast, but high five. You guys crushed it. But after that, it just became a thing. And some mm -hmm. of them are cool. Some of them were lame. But you, you didn't have the live experience. But for the diehards of those artists... It was wonderful, and I think that's Joe's target audience. Is yeah, um, is the the, the five thousand people is that that really crazy group of people that will sit at home, I shit you not, and go over every set list, listen to every song, every bit of it, and notice the notes that they didn't play on the show in Cleveland as opposed to the notes that they did play in Toronto. The these fish fans, widespread panic. All these bands have these psychopathically diehard fans. Bless their mm -hmm. hearts. They love that shit. <laughs> our guys will do a horrible show. They'll play terribly. The four of them aren't lining up. And our diehards that come to every show will come back to front of house and tell me that that's the best show they've ever seen. Why? Because none of it's on tape. Yeah. Every bit of it's live. Every bit of the show is live. And they eat that shit up they love it when the yeah. band makes mistakes they love it when they make fun of themselves it goes yeah. back to the the uh elvis comeback special where he's wearing the the the, the uh the black leather suit and the red elvis lights behind him through that whole thing there must have been five songs that he kept messing up the lyrics to and people found it so endearing that he was real yeah because elvis was this thing he was this goliath he was this man among men and he went to serve our country in the middle of being the biggest rock star ever this is amazing. And he comes, he can fuck up the lyrics to a song just as much as you can. Eric mm -hmm. Church started embracing that when I told him, because he'll, he would go backstage and beat himself up. I missed the lyrics on this. And I'm like, dude, they just ate that shit up. Because mm -hmm. you're already the blue collar guy that they all, that they all love. You just made it that you're the next door neighbor sitting around a campfire singing a song to him and you fucked up the lyrics. They yeah. eat it up. They love it. So the, it's that live component. It's that anything could happen moment. It's the the Limp Biscuit being blamed for the the Woodstock riot. When what would you have done with the crowd was that hype? You would have fucking lit the place on fire too, you know. <laughs> so, you know, it's that live component. It's that anything ha can happen thing. And um, I think we figured out during the pandemic that there's only so much you can fake it, and people are going to just turn off. Yep, mm -hmm. absolutely. And faking it doesn't doesn't last very long. And I'm glad the it doesn't. Super Bowl thing. I'm sorry to interrupt the Super Bowl thing that we all just watched and you saw the comments online and this is boring and blah, blah, blah. And she lip sync and everything else. And it's like, 
<laughs> this doesn't seem to be a problem any other fucking day of the week that you would go see Rihanna, but for some reason on this incredibly difficult show to put on, you have a problem here. <laughs> and she doesn't you even know? get paid for it. <laughs> and she doesn't even get paid for it. She doesn't even get paid for it. And she did it pregnant. She did it from 50, you know, 50 feet in the air on the platform. And she did it. And she did it. And, you know, it's like, oh, come on. You know what I mean? Yeah. But and there's no bullshit with what she did. And she, and um I can't see it. I've, I've seen I've seen, I haven't seen the whole thing. I've seen bits and bobs of it because yeah. it's all I need to see. And it's it's a, a beautiful performance. It's beautiful, wonderfully well executed between uh, Eric and Mark, the programmers, funny. and Bruce Rogers of production design, and Al Gurdon on the lighting design. It's just it was mm. it was beautifully done. They're all fucking incredibly talented people putting together something that shouldn't be able to happen. And it's fascinating. But you go out there and you do a Beyonce show, you do a Taylor show, and okay, yeah, they may be lip syncing. Look at the fucking show they're putting on though. They're working the stage. They've got dance choreography. They're doing all these things. So you can kind of forgive that, can't you? Now, Jackass gets up there with the acoustic guitar and he's lip syncing. Peace. I'm out. Because you know what? That's your one shtick. You should be able to do that. That's why I don't see that. So. Oh, man. Someday. Well, yeah, I have a... I, Yes, the the acoustic the acoustic guitar. Someday when we're not talking about the future stuff, I have a funny story about the somebody the person who used to be K, or but pre Katy Perry who she was and I, the first show I ever did, I she was on it and this is twenty twenty three years ago now and it was, it was really funny. So I'll preempt that one and we'll tell that another day. Uh, you um, know what? And I'll, I'll load up mine about the first time I did a pink show, and I have a strange feeling that they would be polar opposites. Probably, it was a, it was Pink's very first show, and I and I did it, and it, it was cool. We'll we'll chat about that one. That was, that's it was awesome. Fun. We um, you know, talking about the, the Rihanna stuff, the Super Bowl. You know, everybody had their opinions about it. It's it was really funny to watch because I see the polar opposites. You know, it's like I see the the armchair quarterbacks and then also the professionals mm -hmm. and they both they both read it differently and that's what's really funny is like the professionals were all like this was really great it was straightforward it wasn't super complicated it didn't go like you know oh my gosh 10,000 scene changes and wardrobes totally. and blah 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 i mean it was just mm -hmm. you know Classy. one song after song after song yeah. and, and and knocked it out of the park and to your to your point earlier rob was a light a fixture, a, mm -hmm. a, a sound console, a piece of video gear that does what it's supposed to do and does it really, really well yep. instead of trying to put all these bells and whistles on something. And I mean, on, on top of the fact that it's just gives more things to break, um, you know, yep. so I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to date myself here, but did you ever use every single setting and piece and gobo wheel and everything in a Mac 2K when they existed did you did you ever use yes. every single thing in it absolutely yeah. not <laughs> there were some of the ugliest gobos i've ever seen in my life in that fixture i, 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 I was uh, you picked the wrong fixture for me because that was no no, the, no. I, I hated to, the, that light. to the point of you didn't use everything in it and so why create something or do something that has all of this extra crap that is likely right. never never to be used as opposed right. to like a sharpie it was a one-trick pony right but it did that one trick really, really well. And well, you know, because to me, to me, like the Gobo selection thing is such a sticking point because we all have our preferences. But I think as a community, we can all decide that ninety percent of the Gobo selections in these lights are terrible. 
And so when you get a good one, it's pretty rad. But the biggest problem is, is that we can't take that feature and like the old very lights and just quickly swap out gobos in these lights. It's a whole thing. It's a process. Yeah. And it costs a lot of money. So now what's the answer to that? This light has a stamped wheel with 7,000 gobos on it. And it's no, (laughs) I mean, that's cool. I like the mechanism. I think it's super clever. Bravo. Next. I don't. Like, I don't even know that much about lights. So I mean, it's it, give me seven good ones and we're good. We're solid. Give me right? two good ones and I'm solid. <laughs> I'm just. I'd be happy with that. <laughs> but it's, it kind of comes to. Gonna... Hey Joe, it just comes down to night sky pebbles and alpha rays, and we're done, right? There, there you go. <laughs> but um, what I was going to say is that you know just because you didn't necessarily use all the the functions of a Mac 2K, just yeah. that 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 maybe in a in a nightclub or in a theater or in somewhere else, they might've needed that thing, right? Sure. So they're, they're designing for all markets, television, yeah. film, you know, everybody. Um, and, and so, so when we get into this one trick pony, well, you know, I use fuse washes for automobiles, right? To light cars. Oh, right. Really? I, interesting. I, I love the look of a fuse wash. That's interesting. They're, they're beautiful. They're, they're even, they zoom well. Um, and the output's great, but, I don't use them for anything but that, you know, I've seen people use them for, for front washes on a stage or, mm-hmm. you know, lighting a graphic or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, that's not really what I want to use it for right. because it only has, right. it only has one color temp. It's only one thing it's on or off. Right. Um, uh, but you know, and so you can take, you could take a, a picture like a Mac 2k and, and you only use two gobos and a, and the iris and the zoom. Um, and whereas the DJ guy might use like everything because he's got, you know, 50 songs to do that night right? Uh, in a, in a club set. So, um, well, so the one trick know, pony isn't always the best way, but for what we're doing now and how we're doing it, I think it's really important to have those one trick ponies. I, I do too. And the, uh, I just expect the Excalibur and the Excalibur is another, it's a, it's updated Sharpie. Essentially. It's got a nice big fat yeah. piece of glass on it. So I really like that. I love the beam shape. Uh, it's got a prism and, and and a couple things in it where you can get some versatility out of it, but not too much. But damn, what it does, it does really well. The color is gorgeous out of it. The beam of light is beautiful. Like, absolutely stunned with it. Love the fixture. Um, Not 100% sure where I was going with all of this. So talking about the one-trick pony, being in the light and everything else, and then being good fixtures. I just did – there we go. Shootout. I just did a large shootout. I had the exception of Ayrton – everybody's fixtures there and i already knew what the ayrton stuff was so i wasn't too worried about it. i would like to have seen it next to it but i had the new acme fixtures there because they're taken off right now uh jordan if you don't know there's a company named acme that's coming out of china and basically they've manufactured everybody's lights over the years there's three or four different manufacturers that martin or whoever will go to and say this is what we're looking for here's a design of light they go okay great they machine it out they create it they stab the Martin tag on it and it gets shipped off. Got so it. Martin doesn't actually create that light. Like the Axiom uh, was one that DPS created. And Martin said, we like that. We'll license it in the States. So when you see him in Europe, it's the DPS hmm. Axiom. When you see him in the States, it's a Martin Axiom. And it just depends on who did the rights. So Acme now is a black box company, looks like VER was, and they're manufacturing their own lights. Well, they said, fuck it. We want to push on the market. So they've been coming out with stuff and some very, very cool stuff. Some stuff not so good. But what they what mostly what they're doing is doing really well. Um, so at Acme, Chauvet, Elation, Very Light, Martin, all the usual suspects there. 
Um, and one thing that I said was I would be happy to use any one of these lights. But we were looking for something specific and we were looking for something unique that had its own thing to it. We were looking for a magic panel. We were looking for a Sharpie. We were looking for something. We didn't know what it was, but we we're looking for something that was unique, that was bespoke, that we could bring it onto our show and have it be kind of its own little force. And that's what, like what we did with the VL 6000s and 6500s, this big honking, ridiculous light with a big fat piece of glass. It's almost more of a set piece than it is a light. But damn it, did it look great for our purposes? It was awesome. But we didn't. There's none of that out right now. There is there. There's nothing that is that set piece. There's nothing that's a unique thing right now to kind of diversify your rig. So, and that's kind of goes back to my earlier point of what a lot of the companies did during the pandemic is get back to basics a bit. And I think you're seeing it in everyday life. Like here in Los Angeles, we used to never want for anything at two o'clock in the morning, but after the pandemic. Restaurants close earlier. They're staffed a little less. They're a little, they they don't throw the kitchen sink at the wall anymore, pun intended, uh, to say, hey, we're no, we're going to be blowing the fuck up all the time. They're everybody's a little bit more cautious right now. Mm-hmm. So they're not willing to make these giant investments. Going back a few years, and I went to the Roby factory and talking to Yosef about uh they were having to possibly expand into a second um a second warehouse and a second manufacturing facility because they were getting so many orders and it was, the mega point was dominating them at the time. Sorry, I'm trying to plug my computer. In. Um, I said, well, that's a great problem to have. And he said, well, you would think so, but it's actually a terrible problem to have because what if the market crashes in two years and I'm stuck with two manufacturing plants and a lot of people I have to pay. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll be damned two years later, we went through a pandemic, <laughs> you know, so uh, you, you got to feel that pain a little bit. And you got to understand where some of these companies are at and a long time without income. I told everybody, when you come back, don't start demanding crazy shit because it's going to be literally whatever that sits at the back of the shop. That's firewood. That's what you're using. So that's what you get to take because we're not buying yeah. anything right now. And that's what happened for a good year. Now we're starting to see investments again. Yep. But for mm-hmm. a good year, it was, no, we've got that light and that's what you're using. <laughs> Take it, take it or leave it. Yeah, take it, take it or leave it because we ain't buying shit. All right, we'll take it. (laughs) But hey, that's where the creative side of things comes in. Take what you have and turn it into something that looks different than it did last time. I love handcuffs. I put put handcuffs on myself. Don't take it the wrong way, Joe Mack. Uh, I put handcuffs on myself (laughs) every time we go to program because it's like, okay – what am I not going to use for this song? What am I not going to do for this show? What am, what limitations do I have set? How many lights mm-hmm. can be on at one time? How many gobos am I going to you to use? How many times am I going to let that gobo spin during the show? How many times uh, do I really need to accent the kick and the snare and the hi hat uh, during a show? Do I want to do this every song? No. Let's do this only twice in the show. You know things like that. So I like putting handcuffs on myself so it doesn't just become. Um, just rainbow bright festival of just garbage being spewed at you with no, with no real narrative in the lighting whatsoever. Just like, here it is, you know? So I like putting those kind of handcuffs. So if one of the handcuffs is a specific light, okay, cool. Let's go for it. Let's see what we can do with this thing. I'm, I'm totally cool with that. I like that kind of thing. Um, When we're, when we're doing these tours for Metallica, PGP has been a long, long partner of Metallica. So we'll go, okay, we need, this light, this is very specific. This is the one that we want. This is our workhorse. These positions here can be X, Y, or Z, X, Y, or Z, X, Y, or Z. 
and let us know what you have in the shop because maybe something in the shop will work. We want them to make money. We want them to be successful. We want them to be able to continue to do this with us, yep. just like any other company. So I might pound my fist about this over here, but these guys over here, not so important because is that dude in the audience going to know that I just used a, a, a Titan as opposed to an SGMQ7? No, you don't give a fuck. Does it fit into the design? Great. Does it do what I need it to do? Rad. Does it look nice? Awesome. Done deal. Now let's see what else we can do with it. The funny part is, is I have no idea what two fixtures you just referred to. And so that shows how far out of the game I have been like, like looking at lighting and everything else. So um, I'm like, no, that just shows you that that shows you how many manufacturers have got yeah elevated i can't you keep up with the, net, with the names anymore i cannot keep yeah. up with the names of fixtures anymore it's just it's like i heard a story recently that uh that a well-known tv designer um calls fixtures by his own name because he could <laughs> he couldn't keep up with the names for years either so in his head this is a high-end 10 this is a martin four <laughs> so they have to have a chart at their office, like, oh, okay, the Martin Four is an aura. Okay, cool. You know, <laughs> they have to have like a little chart whenever they talk on the phone to this guy because he does things like this. I just, I think it's funny, but it's it's symptomatic of what's going on right now. I cannot keep up. The worst, the worst product line I have, I don't know why I have a disconnect with, is all the elation stuff. I'm having mm. the worst time trying to keep up with Proteus, Maximus, Excaliburus, Genomus, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Titanic. Cenius, uh, Unicolus, and Mondrian, oh, Artiste, Rembrandt. Oh, yeah, I am right there with you. <laughs> I mean, I like the I like the naming of it, but it's it is so difficult to keep up, and they just keep pumping shit out right now too. So yeah, lots of good stuff. Well, the Van fantastic only guys. Got one yoke. <laughs> Say that again, Joe. <laughs> I said the Van Gogh has only one yoke. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome, dude. Well, <laughs> Rob, thank thank you so much for joining us today, buddy. Um, Thanks for having me. Love hearing love hearing all of the great, fun, and exciting things that are happening. And and uh, cool. I think that, I mean, live is going to be live, and it's going to be something yeah. that everybody's going to want to do. We know that entertainment or event or learning or whatever the case may be. Nothing can replace a screen, even with the stuff that we see, the the Oculus or the headsets or, mm -hmm. you know, it, it just, it, it gets close, but it will never be, it will never be the same. I mean, I don't it, even think that, it gets close. Uh, honestly, I don't think it even gets close. I, I really don't. Yeah. Well, I was I trying, I was I trying to be kind, but I mean. <laughs> well, there's a, there's a giant difference between me sitting in my living room and turning on the Grammys, right? And looking at all of these unique um singular performances and enjoying it and loving every minute of it and loving all my favorite performers doing that than sitting there and trying to watch them piece together a 90 minute show with no audience no vibe nothing in the room just painful yeah you know we had to do a couple of these for metallica uh during the pandemic one of them we did in a mountain winery with no audience with nothing we managed to stitch together video in between some of it of clear calm conversations and guys doing guitar changes to make it a little interesting, but it, it did feel a little flat. The next yeah. one we mm -hmm. did learning from that one, we did a virtual wall wrapped around the band in their studio uh, that the fireplay folks helped us out with. And it was 200 contest winners on the zoom wall around them. So you got to see people wrapped around the band and their reactions. And then the band would talk to them on the wall and be able to have two way communicate. And that one to me was a bit more exciting 
because mm -hmm. we did have the audience interaction. And that's so important. Watch these Grammy performances. Watch any of these live TV performances. Half the excitement you're getting is from the crowd reaction. We all joke around about, you know, little Tay-Tay there, Taylor dancing to every song. She's a fan. She gets up and dances every song. And you know what? We find it endearing. We laugh our asses off that she gets up and dances at every one of these songs. The crowd goes nuts. People that are trying to be cool are going crazy over their favorite artists on stage. Mm -hmm. And it's that audience interaction. It's that symbiotic relationship that the artist has with the fan and that the cameras have with the fan that was lacking during the pandemic that we weren't allowed to do. And no amount of lighting or trickery or fuckery could ever take that away. Yep. It's very true. And Agreed. that I mean, that kick drum <clears throat> when it hits, there you can't replace Nothing it. Like it. it just... Man, you know, go to a pop show and let them make them hit that eight oh eight for you. Yep. Wow. <laughs> you know, go to an EDM show, have them do that same shit. Like I'll sit out front and watch EDM artists all day. I know they're not doing shit. I don't care. <laughs> I Play. do not care. <laughs> Play, uh, you put know the what? Up. <laughs> I I dare you to uh, look up the new Ben Daglish Swedish House Mafia show and oh, look that's at a that great thing show. and not be moved by it, even on video. But the but it's got to yeah. have the crowd with it. But I mean, damn it, what those guys do with their visuals, what they do with all their imagery and audio is just as important to them. And yep. that whole experience and that vibe and the feeling of being in that tribe and everything else, that shit doesn't go away, man. It's just as prevalent to me at almost 50 as it was when I was 14. Yeah. That's right. I love it. Well, awesome, dude. Well, hey, thanks for coming in. Love having you here. And having uh, me. until you guys, even from afar. Great to see you as well. That's right, man. And until next time, guys, this is Gig Ready, and we'll talk to you on the next time around. Peace.